0: So the years went by, as they tend to do, from when I was 24. I don't think it matters what I had for breakfast, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, throughout the years, or the little times that I did dope when I was upset, you know, a weekend here, or there. It doesn't really matter in my drug story because it didn't add up to anything, really. I was just kind of angry old me getting along. Of course, a pivotal moment happens. Pivotal, pivotal moment definition: just being something that changes the course of your life. That's something that derails you and sends you on a different path than you anticipated or that you saw coming. Whoa, well, I was derailed. That's for sure. <laughs> Whoo, whole another path. See, I'd actually done a good thing. I had been in this is two summers ago. Been in a really serious relationship with a really abusive partner. And it took me a long time to let that go. And I had. I finally had and moved home. Man, I was surprised myself. But it was hard. They had kids, it was hard to let that go. Not only that, but the person I'd moved in with had decided that her boyfriend was more important to be living with her, and I had to go all of a sudden. Woo! Without warning. Well, then I... Yeah, then I was a little surprised by that. And just little things just started falling apart. It wasn't the way that I thought it was going to be, I guess. I don't know how I thought it was going to be once I came home, but... Not like that. Homeless? Yeah, no. <laughs> Luckily... When this is all going down, I'd met someone who's kind enough to let me move into their home. Unluckily, their home was smack dab in the middle of Drug Central in our city. Everybody knows it. Cops know it. Non-users know it. You just know it. It's pretty hard not to figure out. I had never consistently used it used before this. My use had always been a day-to-day, like a day-to-thing, like a weekend, when I was upset. It started to become a day-to-day thing, living there. Really fast, actually. Because again, I was dealing with a bunch of emotions and changes I just did not know what to do with. felt like I had lost everything. I mean, when you're homeless, you don't really have a whole lot because you spend all of your time just trying to figure out where you're going to sleep that night and what you're going to eat. And thank God I never had to spend a single night on the street. But I slept on the bathroom floor at my work for a while until I could get a second key. To the girlfriend's place. It was horrible. I was always on time to work, but it was horrible. (laughs) And what was really horrible was the fact that my significant other at the time didn't know that I was using. I've had people ask me how she couldn't have known. I've had people call me even a liar. She knew. She had to know. Well, no, actually, because. She didn't know because she had no comparison of a sober me and a high me, because by the time I met her, my drug use was a day-to-day thing. It was just beginning, but it was. So she just thought I was normal me all the time. In fact, the few times that I did less drugs and started to sober up is when she thought I was doing drugs. (laughs) Because I'm an ADD, so they calm me down. When I'm not on them, I'm really hyper. But that tore me up more than anything. Man, that really, really, really ate at me. It ate at me because I was doing things that I wouldn't normally do so that I could maintain my habit. She came to say good morning to me in the bathroom one day. I was using, trying to, and I jumped up and I screamed at her, slammed the door. Because in my mind, it was better that she'd be mad at me that I screamed at her for no apparent reason, at all. Did her know that I was in the bathroom doing drugs? That scared me. That scared me that that was my line of thinking. I was okay with it. Deep down, I wasn't okay with it. But at the moment, it was like a survival thing and I had to do it. That is so messed up. It bugged me because I was putting my drug use ahead of, of, of her, ahead of everything. It's all I thought about, it's all I did, it's all I wanted to do. I did not want to participate in the world at all. And here, this part, this segment of my story in drug use is like the normal story you hear. I lost everything that I loved in my life, including my very soul. By the end of that period of time, which accumulated to about five months, I, had, I was gone. I was like a ghost of myself, which is ironic because I finally left the abusive relationship to get out of feeling like that because they had sucked away everything I was and I was just getting it back. And then I sucked it out myself. But it all left. I became too sick. I was doing multiple drugs at once, just kind of even everything out, and it just became too much. I got sick, and I couldn't function anymore. I couldn't make it to work. I was missing a lot of it, and I ended up losing that job. I quit two weeks' notice and everything because there was other factors involved, but I know in my head I wouldn't quit voluntarily. I- if I wasn't using. To this day, I miss that damn job a lot. It's been a few years. It's my dream job, I loved it. I was good at it, I was respected. Let me tell you what, you're not respected working at Subway. (laughs) No offense Subway, but it's more of just saying, like, you know, working at a sandwich shop or fast food chain. So I got help and I cleaned up, lost girl. You would think that after that lesson would be learned, that nothing good comes from it. No matter how good it may feel, it's not good in the end. The funny thing about the devil is, the devil makes you forget all the bad. I would liken it, you know, people do ask, how could you do it after you've lost everything? How could you do it again? I'd very much liken it for the ladies out there that have had kids to childbirth. In the moment when you're pushing that kid out, oh my God, you are never doing that again. And if someone told you you were, you would laugh in their face and tell them to start pushing that baby out. It's no joke. I'm like, if it hurts, it hurts not even the work. But do you have more kids? For a lot of us, yes, and no we kids. Cause your brain pushes back all the negative side, sides of it for childbirth. It does, it's a, it's a survival mechanism. It does not allow you to recall how painful it was. Cause if you could, you wouldn't do it again. You know it hurts, it's not great. But over time, you forget. Until you do it again, again. I really thought when I got clean this last time that I had a shot. I was on new medications that helped for quite a while. Really helped. Really happy. I got really stable. But then, pivotal moment. Pivotal moment I never foresaw. Pivotal moment happened. That wasn't actually my doing in any way, but it completely destroyed the rest of any kind of trust that I had in people. It completely destroyed the last of whatever would have maybe been left in my heart. Blindsided me so hard. So what ladies and gentlemen do I do when I'm bleeding out on the floor? Always do. Pick up that goddamn duct tape. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, the most important thing about being a function addict is to get some sleep. So with that, get some sleep. Good night. I think it's really important, if possible, to bring people together a little bit non-user and a user. Together, having a better mutual understanding of one another, I guess. I mean, you start out non-user, so I feel like a user knows what that's like. But you don't start off using drugs, so a someone that hasn't, clearly, doesn't know what it's like. Good for you. (laughs) Very nice. But I've heard the argument a lot of you can just not pick up. You can just not take your hands and physically pick up the substance and use it. You're right. You're right. I can just not every day wake up and do what I do. I could handcuff my hands to the bed or sit on them. Or I could just not physically move them towards the substance. What a Nice, pretty little frickin' present that is. All wrapped up in a cute little box and a bow. Just don't pick it up. It'll be fine. I want you to meet someone. His name is Joe. Joe just graduated college, and he just moved to a new city because he's going to start teaching elementary school in the fall. They made some friends, and they're having kind of a last... The last party before, you know, adulthood officially begins. Joe's never been in trouble with the law. He's never hurt anyone. He's done his best to always be kind and gentle, and he loves the animals, and I mean, Joe's a great guy. But, you know, Joe's drinking. And for those of you out there that have ever drink whatsoever, you would know that once you start drinking a little bit too much, you get buzzed and then get drunk. And then for whatever reason, your brain says, I give up on life and you just keep drinking and drinking because you feel good and you want to keep feeling good and you want to feel even better. What made you feel good to alcohol? So let's do more. Joe knew, he knew he had to drive home that night you know, I can not feel like he drank too much. He feels pretty okay, actually. He'll be fine. He's all right. Joe could just stop drinking. He could physically not take his hands and pick up that beer and have another swing. Right, why? Why doesn't he? If it's that simple. Because Joe is putting muck in his brain. And the brain is like a well-oiled machine. You don't put muck in it and expect to get the same results. You get a lot of error signs. Joe, he he tried to swerve on the way home. God, he tried so hard. Too hard, probably. He flipped the car. He's okay. Don't worry about Joe. It's great. But the three-year-old that he hit with his car is not okay. They're dead. They were just trying to run out into the street and grab their ball real quick. Playing that dog. And their, their little life is gone forever. Because of who? And whose actions? Mr. Joe's. Is he he responsible, Mr. Joe? Yeah. He will be held solely responsible for his actions. Because he could have what? Just not picked up another drink. Man, when he sobers up. That'd be hard. Now, There's a difference between alcohol and a street drug. If you've never drank before and you have a beer, you're going to be lucky to even fill it. I mean, you might because it's your first beer ever, but you're not going to wake up the next day and be emotionally and physically dependent on that beer that you had the night before. You're not going to you think about it constantly you're not going to not want to sleep for three days because of it you're not going to want to not eat for a week because of it it is not going to all of a sudden become the number one priority in life above all else I don't think so and you're not going to wake up and drink a gallon of it the next day just so you're not sick ugh kill ya with a drug though You can physically and emotionally be dependent on it after one use. Think about how powerful of a substance something would have to be to do that to a human being. The machine that is in our skull. The machine that operates everything. It's hijacked, pretty much. All other needs and wants just don't become as important. They're important but not as important. And just like Mr. Joe wasn't fully in control of just not using his hands to pick up another drink, he never would have done it. That wasn't his plan for life. An addict? It's not really that easy, is it? The substance is 10 billion times stronger. And we do have to do it to not feel sick the next day. helps sticks it all away you don't feel sick anymore then you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and before you know it you're doing it just so you don't get sick just a little bit so you can keep going and then you're hooked and it doesn't take yeah more It doesn't take long <laughs> it can be 24 hours first use that's scary that's muck that you don't just wash off with a cloth and move on take just the perfect storm in someone's life, or a celebration of a life achievement. Either or, you put something in your body, and you made choices you didn't ever intend making. They can be big, like Mr. Joe, or they can be little, like missing an appointment. That happened today. Either way, you are not going to be 100% the same person that you are without that muck in your brain. It is absolutely impossible. Mr. Joe is a perfect example. Probably the most beautiful example I can think of. The closest thing that I can say to at least shine some little light on the subject helps somebody that's never used to understand. You cannot muck up a brain and expect it to continue to make good choices and decisions. Drugs just hijack everything. And if you wanna continue to try to live a normal life, you have to do them even more sounds ridiculous, like, wouldn't you do it less? No, you have to do it more. Because life doesn't allow you to take a week off of work to quit and be sick. And good luck going to work coming down. Let me know how it goes. Possible. I did it for one day once, and I can tell you I could never do it again. And I couldn't have done it two days in a row. So we keep using to just get up every day and get to our job. We're not using anymore to feel better and better and better because you don't really feel better anymore. You're using to just get up and do the same shit that everybody else does. Instead of a cup of coffee in the morning, you do your freaking drugs. Tomato, effing tomato. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, for those that are functioning addicts at this moment, the most important thing to being one is getting enough sleep. So with that, motherfuckers, get some sleep. Good night. I want to talk about tough love for a moment. One of the biggest reasons that addicts are addicts, because they feel alone if you look at their backstory, a lot of them have a story of family abandonment they don't have family anymore for whatever reason that may be or they have a hard time connecting with others so you have family though the one thing that i've noticed is always preached and taught in treatment shows or advice to family is to set a, a hard line. The hard line being tough luck. You do this, 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 or this, or we're gonna cut you off indefinitely, forever. Never hear from me again. Number one, how can you do that to somebody you love? But but number two, you, you know what an ad is just gonna do? You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna go get a, a bigger bag and just do more to cover up the fact that we're that big of a piece of shit that our family is is threatening to never talk to us again, or our friends, or whoever it is that we love and look up to and desire to have in our lives. We're gonna fill that gap up, aren't we? Yes, sir, we. See, people that have that mindset, number one, have never done drugs. (laughs) And number two, probably live in a nice white picket fence Lifestyle. But number three, believe that the drug is the solution to everything. Quitting it is the solution to everything. How can one single thing be the solution to everything? Sober or not, plenty of things happen in my life that are shit. Some of them have to do with drugs, sure, but a lot of them do not. For example, I lost my ID today. I went to cash my paycheck and realized it was not in my wallet. Where is it? Where's my ID? I don't go to the bar. I don't buy smokes. There's no reason for it to be out of my wallet. But it was. Nothing else, but that was. So I called a friend because I was in a panic. Very few people know everything about me. This particular person does because she has had never, had never, treated me any different. It's rare to find. But I was disappointed because they made the comment of me needing to take responsibility for being lost. What? I'm sorry. When you lose something, it's usually by accident. You don't really want to lose it. Not always because of an action you've done just lost a damn thing how many times have you run around looking for your car keys in the morning or your wallet or anything take responsibility god damn it you jerk could have put it somewhere put it the same place every time sure just, okay it doesn't always happen nice thought it doesn't happen All right. but she had said this because I had lost my ID previously a couple months ago okay sure but what did she, what did she not know about this She's making assumptions, right? Because what does she not know? She does not know that my ID had broken out of the envelope in the mail, and that's how it got lost. But see, the things that weren't being said in that conversation that were underlying everything was you lost your ID because you are using it. If you weren't using drugs, you probably wouldn't have lost your ID. Take responsibility. That is everything that was not said, but said very loud and clear. All my life I've strived to check boxes. Call it my tough love chart. I always thought that if I had a steady job for a while, stayed out of jail, quit drugs, you know, didn't do anything crazy, that my family would welcome me back into their lives with open arms, and that I would be invited to Christmas again and Thanksgiving again, and all of the holidays I currently spend completely and utterly alone check those boxes, it'd be okay. Again, one solution for everything. The problem is, is I checked all those boxes. They don't know I use, okay? They don't, they think I'm clean. So as far as they know, I have a fancy apartment in the best part of town with a stable job. I actually work at a recovery center. We're not gonna go into that just yet. But this is what they know. I have two cats that I adore, that I take care of, more than take care of. I'm gonna walk right now with one of them in the freezing December air. They don't care. I checked all the boxes. I did my part. But guess guess who didn't do theirs and what didn't change? There was no reunion. I have not been invited to anything at all. It's almost Christmas almost Christmas and I'm going to be alone for it. Thank God I have my cats. I'm used to it at this point, but still. So that wasn't the solution. That one thing wasn't the solution everything, that wasn't. See, there's a lot of factors to being human. There's a lot of complications that sometimes we can face and can't face. For them, they probably can't face it. There's other reasons that they cut me off beyond that. But that's the one they hid behind. It's the easiest. The most glaring one. Drugs. It's a problem with tough love. I just, see, I don't understand why, why can't you text? If you have an addict in your life and you've cut off, why Why can't you text them? Snail mail them, send them an email even. Call them, why can't you ask them how they're doing? feel justified in in not doing those things because it's what you're taught. You think that's the solution. It's what they say to do. If you don't trust them, just don't have them in your home. If you think they're going to steal your shit? If you don't think you can be around them, don't be. But that doesn't mean, again, that you can't send them a, a card. You can't call them and ask them how they're doing. So ask yourself the other factors that you're doing and what you're doing. Get real with yourself. Take responsibility with yourself. Because if you send someone that you love a test tonight, that you've cut off for those reasons and you ask them how you're doing, instead of them going and getting a bigger bag to stuff in that hole, they might actually not, they might not stick a needle with a little too much in their arm as the blood runs out, push it in their vein and overdose and die because they miss you that much. All you could have done is just said, how are you doing? And I'm as graphic as possible because you need to understand that Pain is real. I don't need to teach this to other addicts, we know. We feel it in our hearts as we listen to this. As I talk about this, I feel it in my heart. You know how we get sober? we get things in our lives that we're afraid to lose. Because when you feel like you have nothing to lose, why care? And sometimes it's too overwhelming in the thoughts to go through what you have to go through to create something for yourself to lose. And and that's the solution, but it's a long road and it can be overwhelming to do alone. The greatest thing to fear losing is love. It's human connection. So you can't tell me that taking that away is the solution. I call bullshit and I say fuck you. Fuck you to hell, whoever thought of that. You know how your lives have been ruined. So reach out to those that you know and that you love. I have a lot of things that I'm scared to miss or lose now. That's why I keep myself together like I do. Have I quit using? No. No. But I will say that it's not a priority anymore. It's not a do or die. I can't not picture myself quitting. If it becomes, in a way, something that starts to mess with what I prioritize, then it will be gone. It will no longer fulfill its purpose. And I, I do hope that day comes. But you know, if my family even started inviting me to stuff, I wouldn't want to be high around them. I want to be able to fill that and be 100% a part of it. It would mean a lot. Some motherfuckers, most in the middle some a functioning addict is true, get enough sleep. So with that, get enough sleep.